The kind of beautiful houses I have seen being built in the Gambia would rival any executive home in the UK. And the sleek lines and colorings of the outside of the houses makes the houses look really elegant and expensive. My name is Dr. Asha Sefenit Wadasi. And like many people of African descent, I used to live in the UK, but I always had a dream which developed into a plan to move to an African country of my dreams. After traveling around several African countries on the African continent, I finally settled on Malawi, a small country the size of the UK, which is in the east side of the African continent. And I love it here. My podcast is about my life in Malawi, how I got here, how I'm managing to stay here, and some of the interesting things I get up to during my daily life. I also focus on helping you to break through with your own best life plans for living in your own hot country of your dreams, or just having the life you want. I also look at your money freedoms, your job freedoms, and many other things that can help you to get that best life. So stick with me as I take you through the Living Your Best Life in Africa experience. It's going to be a blast. Greetings everyone and welcome to sunny Gambia, or what is more commonly called the Smiling Coast of Africa. You're listening to episode 130. At the time when this podcast episode comes out, I may well be back in the UK. But if you are in my Facebook group, you will have been following my video journey during my 18-day stay in the Gambia. And let me tell you, it's been lovely. The place, the people, the vibe, the beach, and I could go on. All of it has been lovely. And after the initial fresh hell I had to go through to get here, it really has been smooth sailing since then. And I wanted to share my musings with you because as a first time visitor to the Gambia, I have been truly shocked by these three major things. Firstly, you can see the tourist dollars here, especially in the building of houses here. The houses are massive and the architecture of the houses is really beautiful. And it's clear to me that you don't have to be super rich to live in these big houses. Remember, Gambia is a majority Muslim country with about 95% of the population attesting to the Muslim faith. And as is traditional with Muslim and African families, you have several generations all living in the same big house. And so because of this, the houses are built over two and sometimes three stories high with different parts of families sometimes occupying whole floors in the same one house. The kind of beautiful houses I have seen being built in the Gambia would rival any executive home in the UK. And the sleek lines and colorings of the outside of the houses makes the houses look really elegant and expensive. I stayed in an area called Brewfoot Heights 
and the African couple from the UK who I stayed with at their lodge called Garvey Lodge, well, they told me that when they bought their land in the area in the early 2000s, there was nothing but jungle there. But now, because people have realised that land is an asset and that the area, Brewfoot Heights, is close in proximity to Brewfoot Beach, many Gambians who live in the West have bought land in Brewfoot Heights and have built some beautiful houses in the area, which is now commonly called Millionaire's Row. And it would be difficult for us from the UK to be able to afford to buy these houses because the houses run into millions of dalassies, for which every million dalassi converts into about £14,500. And here, people buy houses in cash. You transfer your money from the bank and you buy So what I'm going to do is post some pictures so you can see the beautiful houses I'm talking about. And in a future podcast episode, I'll post an interview with Shakina Chinadu, who you'll remember I first interviewed in episode 33 of the podcast in November 2019, when I spoke to Shakina about her move to the Gambia. In this new episode, Shakina, who is a land expert in the Gambia, explains the ins and outs of the right way to purchase land in the Gambia. Now, buying or building a home in the Gambia is not straightforward in terms of the ownership of the land on which your house is built or bought. You see, there are different types of land rights in the Gambia, And it very much depends on which land right you have, which determines the status of your home. If your land is private land, which you've bought from a family, and you have all the correct documents and titles for your land, and you've paid the capital gains tax for the sale of the land to you, and you have all documents proving ownership and said tax payments, you're going to be okay. Your land is yours, and you own that land outright, And your house is built on that land. And you can pass on your land and your house to your family members or your named heirs. But if your land is built on government-owned land, you are more likely to have leasehold arrangements with the government, which would need to be renewed with the government every 21 years. (laughs) Yeah, you heard it right. 21-year-long leases. And that length of time has been increased from about 10 years. And what that means is that things run the same as they do in the UK. You might own the house which has been built on government-leased land, but every 21 years you have to renew your lease, pay your fees and get your papers to say you have a right to be on the land. And at any time, that land can be reclaimed from the government who would of course have to give you market value for the house you built on the land. But despite these anomalies, it hasn't stopped people from building. And you will see beautiful houses on this type of land too. And guess what? Europeans are even transferring their first-time buyers' government loan of 64000 to the Gambia and using that money to buy or build houses. I bet you didn't know you could do that, did you? 
Even I was shocked because we know that the government in the UK kept this quiet, didn't they? But Europeans knew and they've been using their first-time buyer's allowance to buy properties in the Gambia so they can live in the sun. So where are we? So for me, shock number one has been the size of the mansions being built by Gambians in what is supposed to be the 18th poorest country in the world. And as usual, it very much depends on what is classified as being poor. Because clearly, owning land and building your own big mansion is not part of the poverty equation. Some of the houses I have seen in both the tourist areas and in the villages, I certainly know I could not afford to build in the UK, which is the sixth richest country in the world. So who's poor? The second shock that rocked my world in the Gambia is the cost of fruit and vegetables. The prices here are completely astronomical. And being a vegan, this is where I have felt the most pain when spending money on food. Just so you understand my shock, I'm going to take you through what I bought on day two of my time in the Gambia, having booked into a self-catering guest house called Garvey Lodge. I went to a local fruit and veg seller and I bought the following. Three avocados, four medium-sized tomatoes, one kilo of cherry tomatoes, three aubergines, three cucumbers, three peppers, four small onions, three carrots, half a kilo of green beans and four tangerines. There's me not wanting to buy too much so that I can avoid throwing away food that might spoil in the hot weather. And in my mind, I'm just buying for a couple of days and then I plan to go back to the shop to top up my supplies. Well, that was until the seller charged me £18.50 for my full fruit and bag of vegetables. £18.50. I was shocked. In fact, I was that shocked that I asked my driver if the price was correct and he told me it was. I've since found out that I was overcharged by £6 with the seller taking full advantage of my kind nature in wanting to shop with her. But that's another story. Still, even at £12, fruit and vegetables are really expensive in the Gambia. And that is because the Gambia grows very little of its own fruit and vegetables, with most of their produce being imported from neighbouring countries. It's a real contrast to Malawi, where I live, and what I'm used to, because in Malawi, everyone grows staple crops, fruits and vegetables, some for their own use and the rest for selling. Not so in the Gambia. In the Gambia, People buy produce wholesale from importers and then they have to sell it high to the customer to cover their costs and make a little profit. And yet, when you look around the Gambia, there is so much land available for farming. It's ridiculous. 
but the country does not grow its own produce apart from a few watermelons and one or two other things. But man cannot live by watermelon alone, so everything else is imported. Now, remember my list of purchases, right? Three avocados, four medium-sized tomatoes, one kilo of cherry tomatoes, three aubergine, three cucumber, three peppers, four small onions, three carrots, and half a kilo of green beans, and then four tangerines. This same list of fruit and veg would have cost me about 3,000 kwacha at top price in Malawi, which is about £2.80. I kid you not, £2.80 compared with 12 to £18. So now you can see why I nearly fell in the road when she had the cheek to look at me and ask me for over 1,000 dalasi and to then ask me to not complain about the price to anyone. I was shocked. I stopped eating on principle. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> but I made sure I was not caught like that again. And instead, I bought tinned vegetables and cooked meals that lasted me a couple of days. And I didn't go back to the cellar except to buy two avocados and three tomatoes. When I went, she was shocked to see me. I guess because she knew she had deliberately overcharged me. And whilst I was talking to someone, she only put two tomatoes in my bag instead of three. But of course, I didn't find out until I got back to the lodge. Young girls as well. In fact, that was the reason why I went and shopped with them. So the moral of this shock is that if you are fruit and veg shopping in Brewfoot, it's better to wait until you can get to markets like Seracunda, where you can buy all the fruit and veg you need at local prices, and you even get extras and discounts. Don't be like Asha. And the third and final shot that hit me in the Gambia, wait for it, it's the huge size of the UK black community living in the Gambia closely followed by the huge size of the African-American community also living here. Both communities are massive. It seems like the whole of the over 40s black female population of Hansworth lives in the Gambia. It's like Europeans living in Spain, but on steroids. There's loads of them. You have people who used to live on the same street in Hansworth, now living in the same areas in Brewfoot, for example. I was well and truly shocked. This is my first time ever that I have been to an African country and met so many black people from the UK and from all corners of the UK at that. Apart from Hansworth and other parts of Burningstrong, I met women from Sussex, Bristol, Brighton, Manchester and London and in fact from many different parts of London and what they all have in common was that they came to Gambia for a holiday and decided that Gambia was where they wanted to live. They then went back to the UK, packed their stuff, some took early retirement which in certain industries and jobs you can get if you're over 55 and they left. And what's more, they have no intention of coming back to the UK. 
not even to visit. They are loving life in the Gambia and they are living life large in a way that is so fitting for the years of hard work and slog that they put into building that Western country. In a future episode, I'll be sharing an interview that I did with a returnee, as she refers to herself. She's clearly up in the age But she looks young and vibrant and fully settled in the Gambia, again with no intention of returning to the UK. Then there's the African-American returnees who generally tend to be younger and have school-aged children. The Americans are simply not playing. I seem to come across the same story. They seem to just wake up one morning, decide that they're going to Africa, many not ever having visited the continent before, and then seem to be pulled to the Gambia where they're living and loving life. Their children are schooling online in the mornings, and then they're on the beach and in the sea for the rest of the day. I mean, what's not to like? They seem to be loving life too. I interviewed a couple called Eric and Nicole who did just that. They bought a one-way ticket, left all their stuff behind in the States, packed everything they could carry into eight suitcases and left on that one-way ticket to the Gambia with their two youngest children. And they've never looked back. That's how fed up they were with living in the States. I'll bring you their interview in a couple of weeks so you can listen to their story for yourself. What's clear to me is that this rematriated or repatriated community in the Gambia, well, they're forging a whole new life for themselves in the country by buying land, building homes, starting businesses, having children and integrating themselves into their local communities. And they're loving and living life large. I mean, who knew? It certainly came as a massive shock to me because like I said, I've never seen such a large group of UK people in these numbers anywhere else but in the UK. Yet here they all are in the Gambia, sitting in a beach bar in Brewfoot with no intention of returning to the UK. And I can say the same for the Americans too. Yet no one talks about this in the UK. And it's as if it's not happening. But it is. And the Black Sea exodus from the UK is real and growing. Listen out for the stories of people who have made that move to the Gambia. I'll try to bring you as many of them as I can so you can hear from them what motivated them to leave the West. You're going to love it. And so ends my Gambia edition of the podcast. Like I said earlier, if you want to see what I got up to in the Gambia, you'll need to join my private Facebook group to get all the exclusive videos and early access to the Gambian interviews. For me, I've loved every minute of being in the Gambia and it's definitely somewhere that I will visit again, most likely in the autumn of 2022, which is around October or November 
2022. If you would like to come with me, you really will have to join my Facebook group because I'll be doing all the organising from there because it's the easiest way to work with everyone at the same time when it comes to announcements and things like that. I would love to have your company and I guarantee that you will have a great time. I'll say more about this in the Gambian interviews that I'll be posting in the next coming weeks. So look out for that information. Until the next episode, remember, you are the master of your own best life. And until you take your life and mould it into the best that it can be, everything you do will only deliver the same results. As we head towards 2022, why not shake things up a bit and do something different? Because that's the only way you're going to get a different and better result. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. My name is Dr. Asha. And for this week's episode, I'm...